did share with uh, Trey, I did call him and said, Trey, you know, a lot has been going on in my life. Could we meet and have coffee? We had a delightful time, a time of sharing. And it's like two people getting together and, and they both have come from the same background. They know what difficulties there are and challenges. And I just can understand Trey's challenge to get up here every Sunday to bring the word of God, how important it is for him to hear from God, how important it is for you to pray for him, that that word of God would come forth in purity and holiness. And uh, I stand here in awe that I am invited to share with you this morning. I don't deserve what God has given to me, and I am so grateful so very, very grateful for the opportunity. I pray that you will leave here with just another nugget in the field that you find in your journey with Christ that you would say, I'm willing to sell it all to follow that nugget of gold. Jesus Christ is our common bond. If you would, let's... Just have a moment of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity. I give you all glory and honor for what I say. I pray that you would be lifted up. Don't lift up Scott. Lift up your name, your kingdom, your incredible ways through me today. Thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I was sharing with Trey, and when he asked me to preach, this was something that I had read, and I just felt like the Lord said, share on this, and it took me in a completely different place than I thought it was going to go, but I'm so excited because I can trust him. Matthew 6, chapter uh, 6, verse 1. I'm reading out of the International Standard Version, so it might be a little bit different from yours. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people in order to be noticed by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't blow a trumpet before you like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they will be praised by people. I tell you all, I tell all of you with certainty they have their full reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, fairly early in Jesus' ministry. Uh, I think he's trying to speak to some of those people in that time that wanted to be a Christian, trying to be a Christian, giving them instructions. How do I today share instructions with you? There's so many stories here. Each one of you, if I asked you, what is your story? You might start by saying, I accepted Christ at 10 I accepted Christ at 25. Others might start the day you were born and say, this was the day my journey began. 
If we don't come and look at this scripture with God's perspective, we're going to miss what he is trying to tell us. And I'm not here to tell you what this means for you in the sense of I know the answer. I want to help us understand God's perspective so that he can show us what this means. Let me be bold enough to say that I understand your journey a little bit different perspective than maybe where you are today. And I want to help you understand in a way that God has helped me understand. One way was back in 1967, I was 10 years old, and I was looking at the calendar. And it said 1967. Mom, what's this 1967? Well, that's how many years since Jesus Christ has died. I'm a part of his life. I go count my days since he died. He must be a very important person. I began to understand that there was way more about life than just me. I began to, over the years, understand that my story didn't start with my conversion to Christ. My story didn't start when I was born. My my story started with nothing. Absolutely nothing. And Jesus Christ, with God, took a piece of dirt that was so little you couldn't even see it with the naked eye. And he created a man called Adam. And in that man, Adam... He placed some seed. And this seed, when Jesus Christ was creating, when God was creating this seed in Adam, he was thinking of you and me in our day today. He was concerned about us. How do I know that? I read in the scripture, it says his mercy is extended from generation to generation. I began to open my eyes and say, I am not just a human being. God created me. If I even give it a single thought that I came from a monkey, where would I go with that? I was created by God. And not only do I realize that I was created by God, he loves me more than I could ever understand. I began to see that every breath I took, I began to wake up in the morning and recognize that I was awake and I'd take a breath and I'd go, oh God, thank you for that breath. Your mercy, one more day, one more breath. And then I began to see that he loved me so much that he wants me to love others. I so long looked at that love thinking it was focused on me. But that love is not focused on me. His love is so incredible. He wants me to love others. Anyway, one thing that happened to me, I was driving in Brazil. And as we do, because situations, we make U-turns. I made a U-turn. I wasn't looking. I blew it. 
Next thing I see, a guy flying across the front of my car. I rush out of my car. I run over to him. I, I sit down. I looked him in the face. I said, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I'll never forget. He looked up. He said, yeah. Brazilian, I never knew. I went to the hospital. I had the opportunity to share a Bible with him. I said, God, why did you let that happen to me? Why? Why did I have to go through that? He says, God, God says, I never left you nor forsake you. I was with you the whole time. I loved you right through it. I never left you for one instant. I was with you the whole time. And I realized that my thinking was wrong. I saw God in the good things that happened to me, not in the bad. I was coming across, and I I just, that experience and just understanding who I was, how much love he had for me. And I began to understand if he had so much love for me, I, I could surely resist a little bit of temptation. But there was a problem. I want to share a scripture with you. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Verse 25. Because he couldn't pay, his master ordered him, his wife, his children, and everything that he owned be sold so that payment could be made. This was a man that had 10,000 talents. If you study what a talent is, basically you can work all your physical life and never get 10,000 talents. We understand being sold as a slave, maybe like what we see years ago here in the United States. Somebody was, was taken from their place in another country without their will and brought here and sold as a slave and that person has to serve on a plantation. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about a different kind of slave during the time of Jesus was when somebody had a debt like this man that he couldn't pay. It was impossible for him to pay. And he yet cried out for mercy. And what did God tell him, uh, his master? He said, go sell him. So what that context was in that time was he was sold to an evil slave master, or not necessarily evil, but one that would control him for the rest of his life. That's where I come to understand that I was in life. I was controlled by an evil master. I had a debt that I couldn't pay. It was like a virus of death that I inherited from Adam's seed. That because I chose to walk in my way, I couldn't do good. I couldn't find the way 
Because I always look to my way, the way of death, the way that Adam had brought to me, to you. Each one of you have had to look at this in your life and say, when am I willing to die to what I think is right and live by Christ and his words? This slave had no hope to be free from this situation. But ever since Adam and Eve and the head of that snake was crushed, we know that Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, came. And this is what's so incredible. When we start to understand the incredible love of God, how much he loves us, the breath that we take, the body that he's given us, the life that he's given us. He should have killed Adam and Eve at the very beginning, but he extended mercy that took every generation to get to you and me. He is still extending mercy and grace. By his grace, we are still alive today. And wow, what are we going to do with that life? And so Jesus died. He paid that cross. He lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life died a horrible death so that we don't have to be under that slave master any longer. And so what happens is that slave master uh, situation, we think, okay, now Jesus has set us free. Okay, praise God, come forward, say a sinner's prayer. Be free. Well, I did that. I met your wife through her influence and the influence of her family and other people, I came to a situation where I was wanting to get married to Eldine. I actually asked her to get married. And in that struggle, am I doing the right thing, God? I recognized by looking at the pain that I saw in other people's lives, I need God. And that's what drove me to God. And I said, at the side of my bed, Jesus, come in and help me know if Aldine is the right one for me. That was my salvation experience. And so Jesus paid that price. What for me in my head was that he was going to help me make, I was going to know what his will for my life was in the area of Aldine. Now what What God has done in my life over the years, and especially helping me to understand salvation now, is so much more than what I did. I wish somebody would have taken time to explain to me the type of person that I was, that I was bound to that evil master. Not because I was going to take an apple or choose a wrong wife, but because I was going to choose my selfish way of life. And I had to realize that Jesus on the cross paid that price for me so that I no longer have to think my way. I am now thinking his way. Now, what happens in a situation like this man that couldn't pay his debt, Jesus paid the debt. He's no longer free. He doesn't come away from the evil master and be free. He's now bound to his new master. But his new master not only loves him, but says, would you please be my son? Would you please be my daughter? 
And when we recognize that incredible price that he has paid for us to be his sons and daughters, we say, whatever you want to do, I will do it. I want to be your servant. I want to be a bond servant to you no matter what you say. You have set me free to be a bond servant. And it's in that freedom we get to serve Christ. And so, just uh, when I understood, when I understand this principle of my thinking, all of it is not of God. I have to be in him. So I think of baptism. What happened at baptism? I went into the water. I went completely under. Did I hang on to any of my thoughts? Any of my evil desires? They were buried. I should have been buried. But what happens? We come out of that water and we still want to do what we think. There's even people that are now in the church and they're just as religious as they can be wanting to do exactly what God, but it's what they want to do, not what God wants to do. And so we can see baptism represents a complete going away from my ideas, my thoughts, my selfish lifestyle to live in Christ. For example, rest. God worked six days and rested on the seventh. I think this is a picture of what he wants with us. We have worked all our life trying to do good works. When we finally understand, I'm going to rest from my works, then we rest in Christ. We abide in Christ. We understand that principle. The principle of holy. The Bible says, be holy as I am. In fact, the Old Testament people, some of the rabbis and the preachers back then, they argued, which is the greatest commandment back then? Love the Lord your God with all your heart or be holy as I am holy. So that was something that was, how do I be holy as he is holy? And I finally understand it's when I get rid of all of my thoughts. Holy means something that's pure, something that doesn't have any impurities in it. Well, if I'm in Christ, then it's not going to be any of my thoughts. I'm, I'm dead. My thoughts are going to be no longer. I want to be in him. If I'm in him, and if I'm only doing what's in him, I will be holy. It's, it's a complicated process because I can think those things. I can believe them. I can... Pray him, I walk out the door and I see my neighbor and his dog is pooping on my grass and I'm like, you know, whatever it is, the devil will bring it in and want my thoughts to take over. But I have to be fully aware that everything, not just who I choose to marry, but everything that I do, must be in his control. And how do I do that? One day I recognized, Lord, how? How can I live holy? How can I do that? And he says, very simply, and I happened to be memorizing First Peter at the time, he says, clothe yourself with humility. Humility is the sense of saying, I don't want what I want. I want what God wants. I want what God wants. 
Even in the whole area of worship, we come across that whole, okay, we had worship this morning, we had worship songs, or we have a worship service. But worship is so much more to God than just singing Him a song. I think that is incredibly beautiful. But when you begin to understand that worship is that mind that has been created by God, but now is submitted to Him doing what He wants, that brings Him worship. Because I've taken my body, my mind, everything about me, and I said, I want to do what you want. And it takes humility because the enemy wants to lift up me, lift up each other. We, we all want to be number one. It's, it's, it's about life. It's always, I want to be the biggest, the, the fastest. The, it, the enemy is constantly there. It's not like we have arrived, and the only way we will arrive is to abide in Christ in an ongoing relationship that's communicating with him on a daily basis. Uh, Let's now, with this mentality, first of all, the incredible love that God has given us, recognizing that we don't have the answers, that it's only in him. Now let's go back and look at Matthew 6 again. Matthew 6, be careful not to practice your righteousness. Okay? So Jesus is telling us, and we we are at a place now where we're saying, "I I, I don't want what I want. I want to do what he wants. Okay, so let's read this. He's saying, Jesus is teaching now. He's saying, don't practice your righteousness in front of people. So with his worldview now, I want to say, okay, if he's saying that I shouldn't do this, that that's not the best, then I don't want to do it. He's saying, you're sometimes concerned about being noticed for what you do. Good things you do. And he's saying, you shouldn't do it so that you're noticed. So we can now say, I don't want my will, I want his will. His will is saying, the things I tell you to do, whatever it is, if it's good, don't do it for other people to see it and give you praise. Do it unto me. That's why he says, If you do it for other people to notice, you'll have your reward. Your reward is that you were noticed. But what does he say? If you do it correctly, you have the reward, which is him. That's your reward. So whenever you give to the poor, don't blow a trumpet. In those days, the... The places where they met sometimes would even be uh, uh, more of an open area where people could come and go while the service was going on. And so they would blow a trumpet to get people to come in because they wanted more people to come in and give their alms and their gifts to the poor. And he's saying, you know, again, you're doing this for you. But that's not my heart. God's saying, my heart is that you would give to the poor in secret, when I tell you what to do. Because 
My greatest commandment for you is to love your neighbor. So as you come to me every day and say, how can I love my neighbor? How can I love my next door neighbor that does crazy things with his dog or whatever it is in life? I want to love him. I no longer want to do what I want. I want to do what you want. Then we begin to understand it's in that secret place with God, that inner communion with him on an ongoing basis all the time. Each one of you, wherever you are in your journey with life, when God says, what you're thinking right now isn't the right way to think, be humble and say, God, I always want my way. I want your way. We are so easily influenced by the things that we watch. This is just one example. I used to go to an all-you-could-eat restaurant. Because of my weaknesses, I would go out of that restaurant having eaten much more than I should have. I felt horrible. I felt tired. Many times I had to take a nap. I would come back, oh God, I'm so sorry. I failed again. I failed again. My thinking, my thinking, my way of doing things, I wanted it. Now when I have this new understanding that it's not me that I'm trying to serve now, I go into a restaurant. I did this just the other day with my daughter. I went into an all-you-could-eat restaurant. And I actually chose not to buy the all-you-could-eat restaurant. I, by God's grace, was able to say, I am going to eat just this amount and be done. I was walked out of that restaurant victorious. Why? Because I finally got it right. No, I'm finally trusting in the one who has done it right. And I can trust in him. And so... I'm looking at life much differently these days. I don't want to go through life looking at it my way. I want to see it. How can I work with you? How can we find God's will here? We want to do what he wants to do. Let's do it together. And so I trust that you would take that nugget, that nugget that says, I don't want my will. I don't want to do it my way. I'm going to be willing to humble myself, whatever the situation is, whatever argument. If there's ever an argument, it's because somebody is wanting their way. Whenever there's an argument, I want to now say, look, how can we work this out? I don't want to argue. Let's both seek God. And let's both say, God, what do you want for our life? I don't want to stand up and say, but I want to do this. I don't want that any longer. I want to do what he wants in my life. And so my prayer is to you as you go through life and you think things, think about your life with God, sitting down to watch a television show or a movie for an hour, ask God, is this really what I should be doing, God? Is this the best? You loved me so much. Is this really what I should be doing now? He can say yes, or he might say no. But whatever he says to your spirit, when you do that and humble yourself and say, I don't want to do my will, you will find life. 
Because life will only be found in doing his will and what he wants for your life and not what you want. And that's what the secret, that's the mystery of the gospel. Is when you can live in him. You are his creation. You are getting to make the choices of life. But you're submitting to him in every choice. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And I think as we meditate on that, we understand that's God's perspective. That's God's worldview. And we need to walk in that worldview, not in our worldview. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. It was truly a blessing, and I am so thankful for the opportunity for this church and all that you represent in the body of Christ. I am so very thankful for each one of you. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Amen. Church, let's pray, and uh, we'll be done. Scott, why don't you come with us? Father, thank you for the word that we've received from Scott today. We're very grateful for your word, that you've preserved it and you've given it to us, and that you have allowed it to transform our thoughts. Father, you say that you have given us, for believers, the mind of Christ, and we want to have that mind, a mind that is humble, a mind that is submissive, and a mind that desires to walk according to your will. And so thank you for the encouragement that we've received uh, from you and from Scott. We pray that you would be uh, well-pleased by it and that you would be pleased by the rest of our day. We ask it in Jesus' name and God's people said. Amen. See you next week.